You're listening to DraftKings Network. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. It's the Cooligans, stupid. What's good, everybody? Another hot Cooligans episode coming your way. We're recording from home today because of the schedules, a lot of stuff going on. You might hear some stuff in the background, but th this is the reality of like, you know, when uh, when we had the lo lockdown and we had the viral video of, the, of the, the toddler running into the guy's office and all that stuff. I mean, my son can't walk yet. He's only two months old, but anything can happen, okay? But we're back home where I'm having some plumbing issues. It's being fixed right now, but this is the, this is the world we live in. So if you hear anything, that's, that's what's going on, okay? Uh, if you hear crying, it's probably me. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about uh, today's show. Welcome to The Cool Against. My name is Christian Polanco, and I'm honored uh, to be working with this man because uh, a couple weeks ago, Alexis got the chance while I was on uh, paternity leave. Alexis got uh, the chance to work with uh, uh, this man, a, a guy who I'm a huge, huge fan of. Obviously, you're very familiar with him if you are a fan of, of uh, just any Meadowlark Media product. And uh, the, the le part of the Levitard family, the fanciest lad that has ever been on this program. Welcome to the show, Chris Whittingham. What's up, man? Not much, man. Happy to be here, and I'm really happy to be along for this ride of what this podcast recording is going to be like, because, yes, I agree. Sort of like that guest that was on that BBC, was it BBC World News, I think, that one time? Yeah, the baby yeah. runs in the background. <laughs> That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. I want to hear all kinds of construction noises in the background, your, your, their home repairs going on at the Polanco household. I want to hear all of it, and I don't, don't edit this out, Producer Mike. Don't edit it out. I want to hear all of it, and it's full resplendence. <laughs> so... Uh uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have my my finger on the mute button from time to time. No, 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 leave it on. It leave it on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so right, I'm gonna thank you for helping me not be you know self conscious or appear unprofessional <laughs> because you know especially working with you you I mean, you you have the stereotype of being mm. uh, incredibly professional, uh, uh, incredibly buttoned up amongst you know uh, you know a, a, a dirty sweatshirt that Stugatz is wearing. You know what I mean? You all. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the same sweatshirt and the same hat <laughs> every time. So, uh, you know, I'm trying every to time, Every time I see him on camera with a new hat on, I'm like, huh, it's a new hat. Congratulations. 
<laughs> so I'm trying to be on my uh, best behavior. But uh, there's a, a lot of exciting things uh, on uh, on the way on this episode. We just I just want to remind people because I uh, I had mentioned a couple days ago on our last podcast that today's episode w- would have M- uh, Maria Sanchez of the Houston Dash, but uh, we had to reschedule some things. We had to you know clearly invite the plumber to the show uh so <laughs> her episode will be on her, her interview will be on next uh episode which will be on uh, monday evening so uh look out for that it's a great interview with maria sanchez uh of, of houston dash in the nwsl uh so look forward to that um but let's start real quick um just i, I gotta i guess i just gotta tell witty i gotta tell the audience about something uh that was really exciting this week i got the opportunity uh to to work uh, with with U.S. Soccer Foundation and host the congressional uh, soccer match, and even you know, and it's a, a little bit somber, but I was very excited to be there. But one of the re- only reason I was even there was because I was introduced by uh, uh, people from the U.S. Soccer Foundation by Grant Wall, and it's just one of those mm-hmm. examples of uh, you know, you know, a- after he passed, we got so many stories, and and you know, we heard uh, 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 Witty on on the podcast as well talk about just so many kind and good things that he did for people in this industry and this is just uh one example of that so i every story i'm about to tell you i just want to thank grant because none of it would have happened and it was one of the wildest (laughs) experiences i've ever gotten to have (laughs) so uh, the uh, u.s soccer foundation uh an awesome uh, organization that really uh focused on uh it it, it came about i don't know if you know this witty um it came about after the 94 world cup when, mm-hmm. when the U.S. got the 94 World Cup, uh, FIFA basically said, okay, you can have it, but you're going to have to create an organization to help grow the game in the country. And that is what U.S. Soccer Foundation is. Uh, they, they, they build mini pitches. Uh, they help grow the game uh, in, in the country uh, to, you know, for, for underprivileged communities, stuff like that. So that, that was why this game was happening. So it was a congressional soccer match. They do it every year. I think this is like the seventh or eighth iteration. And the, literally the final game, is Republicans versus Democrats. They also do a staffers versus lobbyists game, and they do like a embassy game, which I didn't. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, that uh, sounds awesome. Of. Yeah, yeah. But it was so. It was so. There were three matches. So the you could have like a mini World Cup in DC. That'd be amazing. <laughs> An embassy World Cup. That'd be amazing. It was super cool. The the I the first uh, I had got there. Uh, I was working with Jillian Sakovitz, your 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 mm-hmm. uh, colleague at MLS. And we were uh, emceeing, you know, kind of joking around and doing interviews with some of the players, some of the politicians, stuff like that. Uh, so we, we got there for the staffers versus lobbyists game. That was the first one. And uh, lobbyists won that game, as they usually do, right? The lobbyists. I don't feel like I'd want to be playing for team lobbyists. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's a certain, like, evil characterization behind that is like yeah let's go lobbying <laughs> and that's the, the uh, up the lobbyists you know uh, <laughs> that, that was that, that was sort of the uh being there the 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 tone of the game it was way more lighthearted than when i was posting being like the staffers versus the lobbyists two to one you know what i mean it just yeah, it yeah, has yeah. A, a much more sinister kind of tone yeah where you're just like reading the the the, the, the score line and things like that but the I, you know i was talking to some of the lobbyists and the lobbyists were just like uh hey you know we used to be staffers but we didn't make enough money so this is where the money's <laughs> oh god <laughs> just completely dispensing with like the, the the good of working in government just like yeah. i want some money 
The money's you, in lobbying. You, lo- you learn uh, very quickly uh, that, that, yeah, it's uh, the reality of, of American politics exists right th- here in the, on the pitch. It is very much yeah. uh, present. Where even the, the, a lot of the lobbyists and the staffers work together every day. I was even asking them, I'm like, hey, man, is it, is it, is it more difficult to get a bill past, you know, one of these staffers? Or is it, uh, or, or, you know, or when they're marking you, can you get past, you know what I mean? And they, <laughs> and, and they were like, they were like, it's easier here. I can't, yeah. <laughs> the bills are a little bit tougher uh, uh, to pass. But I've been I'd like, since, since you started this, I've, all I've been thinking about is coming up with like a song for the lobbyists, like <laughs> lobbies on fire. Your Congress is terrified. Lobbies on fire. Like this, something like that. Yeah. What, what, would, what would the songs of the lobbyists be? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I, I was initially I was just thinking like the the you know the Star Wars Empire music, uh, <laughs> but, but I don't know if that. Would Everyone go. In the crowd going da 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 da. da. <laughs> Obviously, uh, we'll get to MLS. We'll get. We'll, we'll, let's start with Europe real quick because Jude Bellingham was officially uh, announced uh, as a Real Madrid player. Um, I, the, I don't know if you saw the. The uh, the comments from Tony from Tony Kroos the uh, about uh, basic I guess they were I think he just said this on his podcast but he he, he essentially said oh we had a a, a, pl- a player who we paid a lot um, to and, and and he like rested throughout his time here essentially kind of throwing Eden Hazard under the, under the bus um. and uh, some people sort of took it the wrong way but also. He's not 100% wrong, uh, but now that Eden Hazard is uh, not returning, so uh, it, 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 I think the the uh, idea was to sort of say that to maybe motivate Jude Bellingham, implying like, all right, you you, you have to come here to work, and we have to appreciate him. Um, but the uh, but Jude Bellingham going to uh, Real Madrid. I, I think my my first question: Does this affect? Uh, and we'll we'll talk about Mbappe, but this does this have any effect? Is it more likely Mbappe uh, to come or less likely because they're paying uh, a lot of money, obviously, to bring him to Real Madrid? Yeah, I think in this window it might be tough, um, but it also seems like Real Madrid have been holding, have been sort of keeping their powder dry for two or three really big ones for a while now. Right, and you know Erling Haaland was certainly the first one. They clearly went all in for him, and Manchester City ended up getting him. Um, but th- this is sort of what Real Madrid do. They try and get the star talent, the the big up-and-coming, best 11 in the world caliber talent, and so I think they're always going to make that push. They're not going to make that push for all of them, but I also kind of wonder with Mbappe's contract situation, sort of what that fee is even going to be, because it seems like if he forces his way out, and he could just as easily say, I'm, I'm going to turn down that option next year, and I'm not coming back, and you're going to lose me for free, if maybe Real Madrid have some genuine leverage, because he'll probably end up saying, I only want to go to Real Madrid. That's sort of his boyhood dream. Right. So I wonder how much money it will cost. Obviously, the salary will be exorbitant, but if, if those are the only two transfers that they make in this window, Real Madrid will be just fine. They have, I, I think they probably need to start beefing up their defense a little bit. They've kind of gone the free transfer route with the likes of Rudiger and the likes of Alaba. Uh, they probably need another big center back to add into that team. But if they leave this window and all they've done is Mbappe and Bellingham, then that will be a very good transfer window, and that probably will about uh, fit into their budget because they've obviously been pretty conservative with money in recent times. For as much as they obviously are heralded for being the big spending clubs, as they've been rebuilding their stadium, they've done a fairly decent job of remaining competitive while not making that huge transfer really sense Hazard. 
Yeah, I think the um, in La Liga, just the, I guess the uh, they lost the league by how many points? I don't remember uh, exactly. It was a, it was a fair bit. It was a fair amount. So that that was really the only place where you ten points. They 10 lost points. Okay, so uh, relatively for that league, that that you know double digits is kind of uh, a, a lot, and and you wouldn't necessarily say that Barcelona are in some great financial. You know that like they sorted out all their financial issues. They just <laughs> they just had a little. It, That's it, why Lionel Messi's in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> it it's it, um clearly the um the the uh what is it like the the priority uh for Real Madrid seemed to me was that they thought they could probably win another Champions League and uh, obviously they just came uh, uh across the, the you know finally the the buzz saw that Manchester City was always supposed to be uh for the yeah. last uh, uh uh 5 years but um, that said that they only they only accrued 78 points for in La Liga, I mean, you you go back to the the Mourinho Guardiola days when the the two of them were slugging it out. Each of them would get a hundred points a season, right? Right. And Barcelona, the Barcelona ended on eighty eight, and Real Madrid ended on seventy eight. They're not they're not that strong, at least week in week out. That's the thing that I I don't really understand about Real Madrid, um, and I think it, it's sort of why their player dependent strategy sometimes confuses me. Because for me, their whole thing is we get big players, and that's what we do. But they've never really gone about building a philosophy in terms of this is who we are. This is, you know, we, we, we build this particular style of play. It's built to be better than the best teams. And so you see them go into a semifinal against Manchester City and get run over. And you kept waiting for them in that semifinal second leg to turn it on and be Real Madrid and be a team that can be lethal and incredibly quick on the counter. But they didn't have any attacking ideas for the whole of that second leg. And I just sort of wonder, you know, yes, Bellingham will help. But they already had a great midfield, and, and they've, they've already got, you know, Chiumeni, Kamavinga, Bellingham coming through. They should be a spectacular team that every single week is destroying teams in La Liga. And it felt like every Saturday or Sunday afternoon, I, I, I have uh, on, on FopMob, the, the app, you get notifications in, and I felt like every week they were 1-0 down after, like, after 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, don't, they don't bring it every week. And and that's the thing that's surprising to me. They they can always summon a performance on a big Champions League night, um, but for whatever reason, I just don't think that they're consistent performers enough. And I think that's part of what Tony Kroos was probably talking about with Bellingham. You've got to you've got to bring this every single week because our level hasn't been good enough. Exactly, and they also uh, you know allowed uh, Tati Castellanos to put four on them in one game, uh, <laughs> which is like huge for. Uh, uh, you know, for Hirona, huge for Tati Castellano, obviously uh, uh, an NYCFC player on loan. So everybody was just dunking on them like, yo, an MLS player just uh, put four on you. Pretty embarrassing. Uh, and, and But even in, you know, in the Champions League, in that game against Hirona, like the, the, the ominous sort of, uh, uh, you know, kind of power that you sort of see from Real Madrid when they play almost any La Liga team where, where most teams clearly fear them and they play with the, this, this level of confidence is they were just there were several games last season where that that just was not present and it was it was no more apparent than in the game against uh, Manchester City where where there's there's whether home or away there's rarely an instance where Real Madrid can't figure stuff out where uh, Vinicius can't kind of get by and he could, couldn't get by Kyle he Walker. He couldn't complete five passes in yeah. a row. Like, never mind actually threaten Manchester City. <laughs> it was surreal. There was just a, a, a wild, like, lack of confidence. So, you, it, it, I don't know if it begs the question about, like, anything going on uh, sort of behind the scenes uh, or, or or whatever, uh, but it was definitely a rough season. And also, Vinicius Jr. dealing with 
monkey chants at so many games and all this other stuff. Uh, so it was, uh, uh, yeah, uh, disappointing to say the least. Okay. Um, the, uh, so, okay. So Mbappe, I, I want to uh, uh, talk a, a bit more about that. If he is, uh, how likely do you think it, uh, he's, I don't know if I guess he's leaving or not, but the but the maybe the process right now because the, he, apparently he sent a letter to conf, to to confirm that he is not resigning, and the 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 PSG uh, uh, ownership were like, how could he how could he send this letter? Why would he? This is he could he could have just knocked on my door and just I mean, <laughs> and it's like well there's probably millions of millions of dollars at stake and he's just trying to be as like professional as possible um the 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 saga because we see i feel like we get this the last like two years we've had this of like is he staying or is he going he ended up renewing for a whole ton of money but now the the the, just simply the fact that uh this this drama is going on uh between them it feels like this is a moment where the ball is on psg's court to really make a decision whether Obviously, let him go for free or, uh, or, or transfer him. But do, you, do you think they force that? Be, be, are they tired of dealing with Mbappe? Well, I, I don't see how you can be tired of dealing with Mbappe when it's sort of entirely of your own creation. Everything at Paris Saint-Germain is the fault of the fact that over the course of 10 years, they never built a culture, an identity, anything. They have not built anything. And while, you know, I, I might sound like an overly sensitive Manchester City fan here, but <laughs> people say all the time, oh, it's money. All you have is the money. And no, it's not. Manchester City have actually gone about trying to build something. Yes, the money is a huge part of it. But Paris Saint-Germain and Chelsea prove that you can spend all the money in the world and not actually create anything. PSG has created nothing other than shirts that sell the Jordan brand, uh, uh, fashionable jerseys is about all they have as a club. And so when you have nothing upon which to build, you are entirely reliant on these star players and these star players who you basically say, nah, if you want to F off the league every week because, you know, you, you don't want to play away at, uh, well, I guess you'd probably want to play away at Marseille. I'm trying to think of a, uh, away at Nantes yeah. or away at Angers or away <laughs> at like all these, you know what? It's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll win the league anyway. Just come up for these big champions. You can't actually build anything that way. And so for me, you can't really get that angry. I mean, I guess you can because you're Qatari and you think that everything should go your way. But, uh, you know, like you you can't actually get angry when things don't go your way. So my guess is they'll probably let him go and they'll try and spin that they're starting a new project with only building around Parisian talent or whatever. And they'll get rid of Neymar, too, which is probably what they should do. But I, I just I find them to be such a basket case of a club. Like they're just, they're not serious. They haven't been serious for 10 years. And I, I cannot believe that they're now going to get to this point when they had three of the very best attackers in the world, three box office players, and they're not going to have done anything with them. And honestly, I'm even, I'm as disappointed for Mbappe because this is probably among, which is funny to say about a player who uh, was, a, you know, a penalty away from, uh, you know, winning two World Cups in a row. But yeah. among the worst possible timelines for him from a club standpoint, when he bursts onto the scene at Monaco, when they uh, beat Manchester City in the round of 16 in the Champions League, you go, all right, where is this guy's career going? This is among the worst possible versions of it. Just sort of anonymous you know, week in, week out. We don't watch him play every week. Champions League nights, he hasn't really delivered that much. He's had incredible international tournaments, but at club level, it's been 
kind of meh from him, which is not what at all what it should be. He should be at a big time club delivering big time trophies week in week out. A hundred percent. One thing, um, Rene, Rene, un favor. Well, the guy's playing music. That's incredible. <laughs> You're recording a podcast, and the guy is putting music on. That's insane. What kind of music was it? It was merengue, bro. <laughs> it was merengue. That is painfully no, on brand. That's time, so good. I mean, that's normally playing in my house. So good. <laughs> Please have that on in the background during my PSG rant that I just did. <laughs> okay. I mean, this is it, bro. We, t- we warned you up top. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've been doing this the last uh, few days uh, since the the since the messy news i'm like anybody that hops hops on a mic on this show especially someone obviously uh very connected with the miami area and uh obviously an announcer for uh for mls but messy bro tell me witty how should i be feeling bro tell me well i think my sort of primary feeling right now is curious in, in the sense that, like, all right, so what happens from here? Because I think a lot of people talk about some of the shorter-term gains, namely Instagram followers, yeah. that, have, that have come into Miami's way as a result of this Lionel Messi transfer. But I, I'm sort of thinking bigger. And it was interesting in sort of hearing, you know, people talk about, like, oh, well, you know, David Beckham only did this in, ML, in, in MLS when he came. But David Beckham essentially announced a new era in Major League Soccer. You saw a number of investors come into the league, a number of expansion teams come into the league. They saw what happened when David Beckham showed up and thought, well, there's some potential here. And now, 16 years later, there's 16 new clubs in MLS since he joined. There's This entire infrastructure has built enormously ever since. And so, yeah, there are all these sort of cotton candy, the tickets are more expensive, and there are more Instagram followers, and that's cool, and that's great. But what's the actual big stuff that's going to happen as a result of this? And that, I think, sort of remains to be seen. Uh, there was an article in The Athletic this week about kind of how Miami are thinking over uh, some of the hotels that they're staying in and the travel. That's the sort of stuff that I'm intrigued by. Is, is it going to be a raising of the level, the raising of standards, not just with Miami, right. but with all of the teams? I- what happens when you know, he goes to teams that play on artificial turf? Is he going to play in those games? Uh, and if that, and if there's a big headline that says Lionel Messi is leaves, you know, a bunch of fans wanting because he doesn't want to play on artificial turf, that's a big deal, yeah. and and it'll it'll make a lot of teams question the the surfaces that they play on. So it's that sort of stuff that, that I'm interested in. The reverberations. What is the big change that happens from here? How big does it become? Obviously, from a personal standpoint, I could not be more ecstatic, uh, both in terms of. Uh, Inter Miami. I, obviously, I'm a day one fan. Yep. Uh, obviously, the, the the club hasn't been around that long, but I I, I think I'm like season ticket holder number one. Um, <laughs> so that that's incredible from a from a professional standpoint. Obviously, the fact that we work for MLS Season Pass, we we all want it to go. We want people to subscribe. We want people to jump on board, and it seems like people will now uh, for for the run into this season. So that obviously we're enormously excited about. But I, I am genuinely curious about sort of how Messi raises the standards and it doesn't even necessarily have to be by bringing in a bunch of other stars but obviously raises the profile of the league and and do other teams go out and say we don't want to go get Messi we don't want to go get uh some other uh a similarly aged star but you know maybe go out and get some some big name player from another team and that player is willing to listen because Lionel Messi came I think it's that sort of stuff that I'm interested in, uh, interested in 
uh, Witty, but actually what I do want to know is who's calling that first messy game? Are you putting a name in the hat? Are you, do you have to fight Taylor Twelman for the opportunity? How does, how does it get divvied up? I have no idea. Uh, I, I, I have no intent on, on fighting t- uh, Taylor Twelman. I feel like Taylor Twelman will be there, uh, and, and I, I hope he has a great time, and I hope he does his usual magnificent work on the game. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, sort of, it's been a funny parlor game from within the MLS season pass announcing community going, well, <laughs> it's funny because, I mean, the stadium is literally a 20-minute drive from my house, right, right. and I feel like I will only be seeing it in passing. I will be waving at it and like, all right, that, that seems yeah, – yeah. have a nice time. You could, yeah, you work uh, for MLS – but they're gonna be like, yeah, get a get a, a subscribe. That's how you're gonna see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I do have season tickets, and also I uh, I, I have tickets, and it's worked out uh, for a few of the away games. Uh, so like, there's one in LA that's on a Sunday, and so I'll probably be able to go to that. And there's one in Orlando that's on a Sunday, so I might be able to go as a fan to a couple of those. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, that that'll probably be as close. Well, I mean, look, obviously, I hope, and if anyone uh, from the MLS season pass uh, production team or the bosses are listening, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd happily do it. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll 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 see. How I want to say out. this, and I want to give uh, you some uh, praise because obviously there's been a lot of matches uh, I've watched that, and I'm hearing you uh, on the call and and on uh, U.S. Open Cup uh, as well. But there, there is, uh, you know, you, this has been a, a big transition in your life obviously leaving uh, uh, Levitard show and working there you know daily to uh, focusing on your uh, being an announcer for uh, for MLS and you know what I gotta say I I see the the the, the focus and the effort the energy witty has you are becoming the you know a, a more um, you know common voice where I'm like I hope witty is on this call or when when whenever there's a, a big goal and on a game that you, that you're on, I'm like this. The, this energy is starting to is starting to feel like this is what the voice of American soccer is supposed to sound like. <laughs> so I'm loving well, that's, it. That's that's very high praise, man. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I, I'm pouring. I, I always poured a ton into it uh, and basically had no other life. It was Levitard Show, my announcing life, and that was about it. Uh, but now, like, I'm really uh, dedicating uh, a bunch of my time and energy into, like, not just, obviously, the work, like, getting ready, but trying to, like, like what you mentioned was sort of redoubling your efforts on making sure that you hit those moments really well and, and thinking about it. It's weird to sort of spend your week thinking about, you know, all right, if this happens in the game, then I'll say that. And, and like, actually, like, putting some intentionality behind words and, it's completely different than doing something like this where I feel like you and I are just having a conversation and people will be like, oh, do do you have an announcer voice? And I say no, but now I kind of say yes because there is no other format, I guess, in which you people talk in which you're being so purposeful right. about what you're saying, right? You, you've put thought into everything that you said. You put a, a bunch of this work. And so, yeah, I mean, I sound different because I, I'm not that purposeful in other bits of my life. But I'm just, when I'm having dinner with friends, I'm just talking. When I'm <laughs> hanging out with you on a podcast, I'm just talking. That's like prepared talking. It's completely different. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm loving it, man. I'm really enjoying no, it. No, it's great. Uh, and it's, and this, uh, you know, you know, even MLS announcing like, Oh, these are the assignments, and these are the people going to be calling. Even the, you know, uh, uh, who was getting, um, is it, I forgot who, who was the call on the Zellerayango? Uh, saying, oh, oh, it was uh, Jen Hildreth. Jen, Jen Hildreth. Hildreth, okay. Yeah. And yeah. clearly, like, Midwest, Midwestern, uh, you know, you betcha, shit, the you betcha, 
in the in the call and easily when when european people hear it they're like oh my god american why why would they say this but then i hear it and i'm like this feels like i'm eating a hot dog you know what i mean it feels <laughs> i'm like in chicago <laughs> yeah you're eating a chicago dog yeah this feels like you know what yeah maybe it's a little bit different but it's ours this, i i love the authenticity uh of it and mls doesn't need to sound like any other league because we all, all what, what what we're used to sort of getting is like if we're watching soccer it has to be with an english accent otherwise you know regardless of what league it is or what you know the, what state the game is being played in that was sort of the the standard and i think uh you and and the rest of the 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 crew are are giving mls it's like own brand that we I don't think we've had uh, throughout the the entire time through throughout the league well I think it's interesting because you mentioned sort of the way that that Jen called that I think it's it's when you say authentic it's authentic to the person right yeah. and I think that's what's interesting about American soccer culture is that to the person is vastly different from person to person even from people that share a similar accent right because there are people that you know, came about watching soccer in completely different ways. Like, I'll, I will confess, like, you know, the bit, the first league that I started watching a lot of was the Premier League. And so you listen to a lot of British guys, and while you're not completely trying to copy what they do, there's a lot of the lingo and the jargon that just sort of comes through, and, and you've absorbed the game in a certain way. But then, obviously, I was also watching a ton of MLS, and, and you watch a lot of BN Sports, and guys like Phil Shane and Andres Cordero, and, and those sorts of guys do their commentary in different ways. And so the American game gets to be so diverse because it's sort of not of one thing, right? English football culture comes from one place, yeah. the Premier League or the, the the former First Division. And and the ways in which you consume the game is almost entirely through the prism of the Premier League. Whereas in the U.S., you can consume... You can be a, a, a Mexican-American that has only ever watched Liga MX, and so you want the game to be called in that way. And to be fair, I've listened to a fair bit of Liga MX commentary and Univision commentary, and maybe that might have influenced me in other ways too. So I think that's the interesting bit, is that there are 14, 15 people that are part of the MLS Season Pass project, and they all came about the way that they called the games in completely different ways. Yeah. And I think that's what's interesting, is that that they sort of develop their own voice in their own way, and it's not as homogenous than, than maybe in other countries like in Italy, where everyone you know who calls games in Italy grew up watching Serie A and, and Juve and Milan and Inter and all those clubs, and they know precisely how the Italian culture works, and then you slowly branch out a little bit when it comes time for international tournaments or Champions League, but... American culture is not one thing. American soccer culture is not one thing, and so each person can kind of go about their job differently. Agree, agree, man. I, I, and that's what it is. I, when, as soon as Messi starts playing some games, as soon as we get the, the call on his first goal, we know that the entire world will be watching, and they will be paying attention to the call, and they will be criticizing it, okay? doesn't matter what. <laughs> it could be the best goal in the yeah. world. I mean, it might be Taylor and, and, and Jake. And uh, and that the, the criticism will be there. So I, the, the thing I say, I tell these people all the time, I'm like, y'all need to chill, okay? Y'all yeah. need to chill with an ice cold Coors Light, witty. That is the move. Wow, <laughs> that is a professional segue. Go on, Christian. <laughs> because if you want to chill while you're watching MLS season pass and you're watching Messi, just uh, you know, it, it probably humiliate the Colorado Rapids. I know you're going to be tuning into those games. Uh, you can do it with an ice cold Coors Light because and and the thing that is so helpful and so useful, uh, you know, we're speaking of Colorado, the mountains. 
you know those mountains yeah. are right on the can and they turn what what color do they turn they turn blue they turn- <laughs> when, it, when it's cold enough to be ready to drink okay so the, they, they turn cold you know they turn blue so you know it, it's cold enough to drink you know it's it's hot enough for messy to go uh you know in 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 the, the mile high mile high city and embarrass the colorado rapids that is all the direction you need so when you choose to chill pair your plans with an ice cold course like get course light delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart by going to coursedlightcom slash cooligans celebrate responsibly course brewing company golden colorado when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Major League Soccer this season, we're we're, uh, midway through... Uh, obviously, Witty, you've been uh, there uh, for uh, th- th- obviously covering covering this season uh, in depth. And and if we take a look at um, uh, I don't know a couple things that I don't know maybe surprise you in, in this season. Um, I know at least for me as an NYCFC fan to see NYCFC not even in the playoff uh, picture and, and sitting in 13th in the Eastern Conference, it hurts uh, because th- this team is just I'm not. I'll, 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 like in the inaugural season, I expect, you know, this is what we sort of all expected. And it was difficult. You know, I, I was at the the red wedding, uh, the Red Bull wedding. I was there and it was, you know, I always have that scar uh, on me. But the <laughs> th- there's been a lot of improvement after that. But NYCFC, uh, they just whether it's just simply not having a striker, uh, whether it's, you know, some of the roster decisions, it, it's been difficult for me to see them uh, play the way they play. Uh, but it, it, what do you think about that? And then also, what has been surprising you this season? I think on NYCFC, they're probably a club like other clubs, like Seattle, I think, has is, is used this mechanism a lot, where first half of the season might not be great, but the transfer window that opens in the summer is probably the better window to do business, both buying and selling. And so... I do think that they're probably leaving some of that powder dry for the summer, and they'll probably make some moves that'll make them a stronger team for the run into the year. I'm still surprised, though, when it comes to New York City, that at the very least, the one thing you can rely on them for was that they would make their baseball field advantage tell. That they know how to play at Yankee Stadium, they know how to play at City Field, and for for every other team, it's a significant adjustment. And I I, I had Inter Miami in the playoffs last year, away at NYCFC in, 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 in City Field, and it just they never were really able to figure it out. It's a difficult thing to go and do. So the fact that they aren't even winning home games. Or, I, I remember towards the end of last year, they were so good at Yankee Stadium that whenever they played there, they were enormous favorites. It'd be like minus 250, minus 300 favorites at Yankee Stadium. And that's unheard of in Major League right. Soccer. Usually the parody dictates that there really aren't that big of favorites, but they're so good there and they know how to, they, they, they know how to play there so well. But So the fact that that advantage isn't even telling right now, I think is a big concern. But I think they're definitely a team that will strengthen in the summer window, they'll bring players in, and I think that they'll be fine. I told people all the time, the, the last, like, three years, I, I, any friends that were interested in getting tickets or interested in going to a game, I'm like, 
hey, look, if you go to an NYCFC home game, you're probably going to see them win. They just they, – Yes. I, I, there was a – And score and score quite a few goals as yeah, well. Yeah, there was definitely a streak of – you know, I almost pretty much attended almost every game, uh, every home game, and – there was there was just a, such a long streak where I just never saw them lose. Even if they drew, I was like, "Man, this doesn't sit right with me. Why are they drawing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were they were uh, uh, that good. A- a- anything? Uh, I, 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 any surprises? Otherwise, yeah. this season. And I also and I also want to ask about what your favorite game that you've called this season has been uh, for you. So you can think about that while you're answering that. Sure. Question. So I think. In terms of surprises, I'd have to start with Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati were good, and some people were tipping them for the supporter shield, but I'm still surprised that they've been this good uh, because I, I kind of look at the squad, and you know, last year's team I think is probably a slightly better team. I know that the Miazga joined late in the season, and he allowed them to improve defensively at center back, and Wobodo joined midseason. So I think the team that finished last year, because they had informed Brenner, and even I thought Brandon Vasquez was better last year than he's been so far this year. And yet they just figure out ways to win games. Yeah. And that I think it's one of those things that I sometimes have difficulty wrapping my head around in this league sometimes is the teams that actually succeed at that level. Because you can point to like when LAFC, you know, set the points record a few years ago. You got it. You turn you turned on their every game, and you're like, okay, this team is awesome. And they rip teams apart. But I just don't I don't have that same feeling about Cincinnati where I can tell why they're that much better. And honestly, like part of that is because I've seen them in person once this year and they struggled a bit in that game. They played a Philadelphia Union team that was rotating and their whole goal was to kill the game and they did so successfully yeah. uh, for like 65 minutes. So I haven't really seen them at their very best in person um, and it's tough just to sort of catch up, particularly in Eastern time zone games um, because they're, they're all happening when you're either working or getting ready to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... I'm, I'm I'm watching out for Cincinnati, not in terms of I think they're frauds or anything. I think they're a really good team, but in sort of identifying why, I think is probably yeah. the biggest thing. And and, and to answer your question about uh, the the best game that I've watched this year, I'm sort of going through uh, the list here. Honestly, I was in New England a couple weeks ago. They played Chicago, and that game finished three yeah. three. And at the end of it, I sort of looked at Laurie Lindsay who I was doing the game with, going. What was that? <laughs> that was crazy. Because, yeah. like, Chicago bossed the game for 35 minutes. Jordan Shakira, I think, turned in his best performance of the year. And then within three minutes, it was 2-2. It was like, what What just happened? Chicago were cruising in this game. Yeah. Uh, and it finished 3-3. So that game was really cool. I also got to call the game where San Jose uh, played LAFC at, their, at the NFL stadium where the 49ers mm-hmm. play. So it was kind of like it was the first I, first time probably since college, and I've called a game from an NFL stadium, and obviously all the trappings of being uh, in, a, in a venue that big were amazing. So those would probably be the and also San Jose scored a, a, a late winner in that one. Uh, so that was a really good game. So yeah, I've had I've had some really good ones this year um, where you sort of like get off the air going, wow, that was that was that yeah. was genuine high top drawer entertainment. Yeah, there've been a couple uh, a couple three three like wild game. I mean, Atlanta just yeah. had one. Char- Char- uh, yeah. Charlotte uh, had one against Seattle. Uh, the, the 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 New England one uh, as well. I, I, before I forget, the, we're you remember, we're talking about Cincinnati. Lucho Costa has uh, uh, you know uh, announced that he's going to be uh, getting American citizenship and the, the qu- he's applying he's for applying, american yeah, citizenship so, but it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah it looks like it's uh being somewhat expedited uh, the, like i think mm-hmm. u.s soccer is like hey hey this guy <laughs> he's a let's let's put a letter <laughs> of recommendation in for this lad he's quite good man, man, american is apple pie oh lucho costa we all know him <laughs> <laughs> 
get it. Um, yeah. But this this idea, uh, it, it, I think it sent USMNT Twitter into a little bit of a frenzy because uh, Lucho Costa is he just an absolute guaranteed lock starter if um, if he's eligible and and uh, if he you know gets the call up? I don't know. I think it sort of depends, and, and this is interesting to me. Because I think, you know, he theoretically plays a position that Gio Reyna would occupy, which is that sort of number 10 position. But also, I cannot remember the U.S. ever having a player like Lucho Acosta. Just in terms of the way that he plays the game, where it's about buzzing about from the 10 and your idea is to create for everybody and just sort of have that sort of very tricky skill in, 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 in and around the ball and in tight areas. And so, for me, I don't even know how he would fit. Like, I, I don't know. If you bring him into the team, the U.S. has never played with a player like him before. And so how do you even reconfigure the team? Is it about bringing on a player like like him in the last half hour of a game when you need someone to create something? Or are you kind of building a system around him? That midfield was sort of build, built around McKenney, Musa, and Adams, who are, who are none of those guys are tricky, technical, creative players. Uh, Yunus Musa is incredible the technically, closest, but he's not yeah. really like in, in that same mold of like playing in a number 10 role and creating the game and not really doing a ton of defensive work. I think the defensive aspect of things is fascinating. So I find in general, having a player like him to be like, what do you even do? The probably closest facsimile, I'd guess, would probably be a player like Benny Fellhaber back in the okay, day. Yeah. Um, but even him, like... They go about the game in completely different ways. So I'm fascinated to see, like, if if he becomes eligible, how a manager would sort of fit a system around him because he's sort of unlike anything the U.S. have ever had before. Yeah, it would weirdly, like, I I don't know, throw a a wrench into, like, what uh, Greg Berhalter kind of built with this roster – uh, definitely, and he's not a young guy, uh, you know. And then if you mm-hmm. think about the 2026 World Cup, how old would he be? I think he'd definitely be in his mid 30s by then. Um, it would be. Yeah, he's 29 now, so he'll probably be like 32 right. by then or something like that. Right. Lucho would uh, kind of it, it w- would introduce this like confusion almost like it, it, we know he's an obviously great player, and then it's just like, but how do we make it work? Um, yeah, yeah, he sort of reminds me of like. You know, Giovinco, but like in the, he's just like his stature, just, uh, and that, and that's part, yeah. one of the main things of like we've just never had really a player that like small, right? Because Americans are always like we're, we're always thinking about athleticism and height and strength and blah blah blah, and we've always sort yeah. of looked past uh, players that are just uh, small technical players, like. We've never had an Argentinian number 10 before, <laughs> mostly because we've never had an Argentinian play for the national team. How we missed uh, the Argentinians playing on the American yeah. national team. Uh, so it would be surreal. Uh, pa- I know Pablo Mauro had asked him about it, uh, uh, Lucho Costa, and he said he would accept the call-up. And, and he said that he, would, you know, he had hopes of being called to the Argentina national team. But uh, and and this is like you know his words. He he said once he saw the World Cup, he was like, "I'm, I'm done. I'm past it. They're never gonna call me." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, they're yeah. <laughs> they're like, unfortunately, that as long as Alexis McAllister exists, I probably I probably will not be getting the call up into the national team. But yeah, I, I do sort of find interesting like the that the notion of like, is there a level of player that MLS can recruit? that is obviously very good from a big footballing nation. They like it here enough. They play here enough to sort of stay in it for the long haul, but they're not quite good enough for their blue blood national team, and this might be a path in the future. I guess Darlington Nagby was sort of the last example um, who, who was eligible for Liberia 
and ended up playing for the U.S. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know sort of what the future of this is. This is such a rare case. And this particular skill set is such a rare case. I'm fascinated to see, you know, Copa America next year. Is Lucho Acosta going to be the American super sub that comes off the bench Bro, and changes things? A- that would be insane. <laughs> love- and like, let's, let's remind the listener as well. This is a player that was like, on the one yard line of going to Paris Saint Germain, yeah, yeah. After that, after that big season that he had with DC United, he almost went to PSG and played under Thomas Tuchel. So this is a player with a significant pedigree. Totally, totally. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. That was like a disaster. He was like devastated when that deal didn't go through. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and that was legit on the one yard line. <laughs> We're talking U.S. men's national team. Uh, as you're watching this or listening to this, the U.S. Mexico uh, game uh, at the the Nations League semifinal uh, has probably already happened, um, but. But this, um, so we obviously we don't we can predict. I I don't know exactly what to expect. I would assume uh, I I slightly favor the U.S. team just because Mexico are a little bit more disarray. And uh, but it's also U.S. has the issue with their manager, be that uh, Anthony Hudson, and he uh, he bounced for a, a Qatari team, and, and then now we have uh, B.J. Is it Callahan? Callahan. Yeah. He- so should, should we record two versions of this then? All right. So I'll, I'll do like a 10-second recap of the game. Okay. Either way. All right. Here we go. Faller and Balogun scored a hat-trick on his debut. This is insane. What a performance for the United States. They beat Mexico yet again. The U.S. are Mexico's daddies. All right. So that's version okay. one. Number two. Man, the U.S. program waited so long to hire a manager, and it's cost them at this nation's league. Losing to Mexico, we were in control of this rivalry, and we let it slip away. This is terrible. What has the U.S. program done? This is all right. Well, I, I right. Just, there you go. Gotta, all right. So, producer Mike, put put the, the 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 better version of it in the podcast, and 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 we'll be bro, fine. I just we gotta applaud uh, uh, because Winnie did not <laughs> write anything, wasn't prepared, but he has. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is. Uh, you know, uh, you got it unlocked. It was uh, great. Work. I was gonna. I was gonna include like. I can't believe Walker Zimmerman uh, contributed seven own goals. What a ridiculous game! Oh man, you figure they would have taken him off after two. <laughs> I do that sometimes. So sometimes when we rehearse uh, for MLS season pass, we'll be like, all right, let's do the halftime segment now because uh, we have like an intro. Yeah, yeah. Like we did, we did one where like we tossed into a piece and we came out of the piece and when it's a messy B roll. Uh, so like they'll be like, all right, so uh, bring us in the halftime. Be like, all right, here we go. Three, two, one. Uh, New England Revolution seven. Inter Miami 5 here at Gillette Stadium. It's been an extraordinary game uh, this week, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, you go into whatever rehearsed piece we have to get to. So. Amazing. Uh, okay. So, so the, uh, the, the only news uh, in regards to this uh, to Nations League that I really want to talk about is just uh, Greg Berhalter sort of being in the news yeah. again because obviously there, there is a search for a manager. Uh, we had heard at Club America. Yeah, Club. Cl- 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 uh, <laughs> right? They need a manager too. But, uh, but that was also kind of wild to see uh, Greg Berhalter. Yeah. Just to see an American manager uh, uh, in contention uh, to manage uh, at such a huge club in Mexico. Um, but it looks like that isn't happening because I think Greg is holding out hope that he still uh, has a real opportunity to to coach the U.S. men's national team again. And we've seen comments from uh, uh, from obviously Christian Pulisic, who has been very you know pretty. Straightforward and said, like, hey, we would, yeah, I'd be fine if Greg came back. There was somebody else, I think it was Tim Weah. Tim Weah, yeah. Um, kind of saying that, but it, it clearly it would upset a lot of people if he does come back. Uh, but it doesn't seem it, like it'll upset everyone but the players. Is that a, a, a good enough uh, reason, especially after the U.S. soccer hires a sporting director, does a bunch of interviews, uh, and then if we go right back to Burhalter. Did we even need to hire that guy? You know what I mean? It feels a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it, was, it would be what was the point of all right. of this. Not only in terms of, like, you know, hiring a sporting director and going through what, you go, what you've gone through, but also going through two summer tournaments where you can make legitimate inroads because you're playing competitive games uh, against Mexico, uh, potentially against Canada, uh, and, and some of the other big CONCACAF nations, and you're not really building towards something. BJ Callahan and Anthony Hudson were sort of doing reasonable facsimiles of Burhalter. They're not, they, they haven't really changed up the, the, the system that dramatically. They haven't really changed up the personnel that dramatically. We didn't see them come in and go, all right, well, clearly what Greg was doing was wrong, so let's, let's try something else. And so why waste your time on worse versions of the Burhalter system to then bring him back when he could have just been building on what he had built? Because I do think there's a certain amount of, like, how much did Greg Berhalter actually get to implement and do over the course of his time? And how much was he readjusting off the back of the personnel that he had? And so there's still, like, it's not like Greg Berhalter's team at the World Cup was a finished article. Right. It wasn't he, like, all right, this is my final essay. No, like, this is like, that, those are like his midterms, theoretically. Uh, so I do think that Berhalter could have more work to do. I am definitely on, I think I'm probably in like the one percentile of positivity when it comes to, to Greg Berhalter because. I don't think he did a bad job. I think he actually did a very good job. Um, and I wouldn't be completely bothered if he came back. That, for me, like, that, that, that turns me into the 1%. Uh, <laughs> because, like, every, there's this vitriol. Um, and I don't understand where it comes from. Because his peers, I think, said a lot of glowing things about Greg Berhalter. His players have said a lot of, have said a lot of glowing things about Greg Berhalter. And I think there was an interesting quote this week from Faller and Balogun um, talking about sort of the environment that he stepped into. And he, only, he said he felt almost humbled to walk into a group that likes each other so much. Oh. And I thought, I, like, it's really interesting that, like, they have built a genuine culture that people want to be a part of at U.S. soccer. And I think Greg, Greg Berhalter deserves some credit. That being said, I'm sort of an absolutist about... Uh, international managers getting one World Cup cycle, and then it's it's another new set of ideas. And I'm really intrigued by the idea of Patrick Vieira being the U.S. Men's National Team manager. I'm sure as an NYCFC fan, you are well aware of his attributes as a manager. I think he's a very good coach. I think he has kind of the perfect pedigree and experience of a manager that you want to step into a national team. He's obviously interested in the job. It was reported by ESPN this week that he's interested in this job and has interviewed for the job. He would be my pick right now. Um, but if Greg, Ber- if Greg Berhalter came back, I would not be devastated. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of fans would, and the vitriol would continue when I honestly don't think that there's a ton of basis for it other than people are still mad about how he was hired when there's been a, a mountain of evidence to prove that he's up for the job. He won the Nations League the first time. He won the Gold Cup. He beat Mexico three times in a year, qualified the U.S. for the World Cup, got them out of that group, turned in really good performances at that World Cup. I think he did a solid B-plus job in charge of the national team. I wouldn't say it was perfect, but it was a solid B-plus in my view. And people, I think, are just sort of hanging on to their negative perceptions of him from the start or when he was overly insistent on playing with Will Trapp in midfield or overly insistent on certain players that, like, that you've held on to this for a while. Like, let it go, man. Like, it wasn't that bad. It won't be that bad. I agree. I agree. Uh, Yeah, dude. I mean, it's just there's a lot of just straight up... uh, um, you know, even when I was interviewing uh, Tim Ream and, you know, and even talking to him about like I asked him like what he sort of like regretted about how they played against the Netherlands at, at the World Cup. And he was straight up. He was just like I did. He was like, I did not think that they would just let us have the ball like that. And and it's one of those things where the Netherlands are very, very good. Like if, if Greg and the U.S. win that game. Do people change their tone on on how they feel about yeah, it? Yeah, if Christian Pulisic scores that chance in the first right. five minutes of the game, like <laughs> what conversation are we having right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. So I maybe they go on to lose three one anyway, but like I I I 
you know, I was a little bit afraid going into that World Cup. Um, I underestimated the U.S. just because, like, I have a few friends in my life that are very negative about Greg Berhalter and very negative about the U.S. And I was sort of like, oh, just, just don't, just don't embarrass us. And I, I, I left that World Cup incredibly proud of the of the performance that the U.S. turned in. And look, maybe they should have beat the Netherlands. And at some point, they've got to take the step where they believe that they can beat a team of that quality and go out and do it in a knockout round. And they did it in 2002, but they haven't done it since. Yeah. And I do think that eventually the U.S. has to raise its standards above, oh, we, we turned in a great performance, guys. Uh, and and if, you, if you think that that time is now, fair enough. Like, I, I won't completely disagree with you. I think the U.S. has a certain level of talent. But I, I did not watch the U.S. of the World Cup and think that, you know, another manager could have taken, taken them to another step beyond uh, where they were or that they were embarrassing or that they were bad. I thought the U.S. was, on the whole, very good at the World I Cup. I 100% uh, agree. Um, well, we'll see how they, you know, how this U.S.-Mexico game uh, uh, turns out. Let's uh, uh, wrap up the show with uh, our final uh, segment. We got to bring in uh, Miguelito. Uh, that is uh, Mike Malley's. Uh, with you. We, we we Latinofy our our, yeah, our, our producer. Good. So Miguelito. <laughs> Miguel, Miguelito. Miguelito, who's got a job on to, to edit this podcast. <laughs> Miguelito, we call him Miguelito. My <laughs> I guess in the, in the spirit of Messi, should we make him Mache? <laughs> Mache, okay. He's a, you know, he's, a, he's a Cuban shortstop we're, out of uh, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, Argentin- we're Argentinianizing his name. We're make, I'm calling him Mache. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, but we, we, we want to we build a little MLS uh, parlay. Uh, so, um, Miguelito, what, 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 are, what are you picking, uh, for, for our parlay this, uh, this week? Yeah. I mean, it's exciting guys. We have Woody here, so we got to do a little Thursday thunder ripoff mm. from Levitard show. Honestly, also exciting. <laughs> this might be the first time you guys can see me, you can see my beautiful face now, potentially. Wow. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, back to the MLS parlay. We're going to do a little parlay for the people. My, I guess we'll each just go around and pick one leg. My first one I got is sporting KC. Versus LAFC. This pick is honestly mostly based just from anger on betting on LAFC the past few weeks, and I'm not winning. So now I'm just like, I'm mad. I'm mad. So I got to go against my guys. Shout out to Kavincho, obviously. But Sporting KC has also been great. Alan Polito looks like, yeah. you know, the guy that we thought he really was supposed to be. So Dave? I'm taking Sporting KC plus 155 on the money line. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm calling that game, so I can't offer a pick on it. I can only give you a key okay. to the game, uh, like Kirk Herbstreet on College Game Day, <laughs> and say that uh, Sporting Kansas City, healthy, LAFC, not. <laughs> yeah, and also missing uh, yeah, Denny Boanga away in international duty. That's a huge one. Uh, no Jose Cifuentes either. And uh, on Wednesday night when they lost to Houston. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm making noise now. Uh, so uh, so on, on Wednesday night when they lost to Houston, playing kind of a makeshift back four didn't really work. And I think some of the, some of the younger players in that team, Bogush and Buke in particular, haven't really fully integrated yet. So uh, they're, they're still very much fine in their way. So... I can't give a pick, but you know, key to the game there. Okay. Um, yeah. The oh wait, did was that? Uh, wait, did you give your pick for uh, your game? Oh, no, okay. no, I've I've, I've not given I've not given the pick. Yeah. Yet. I, 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 I can give it go, now. Go, go for it. Uh, so I was just there. I've I've my second home. Uh, I, I live in Miami. My second home is Foxborough, Massachusetts. Mm. Uh, I've been to New England quite a bit this season. They're home with Orlando City. I think there's something about the way that like 
again, we talked about home field advantage of playing on the baseball stadium. I think New England no, sort of know how to navigate their turf pretty well. Carlos Hill is finding form. Gustavo Bo is back and healthy. Uh, I think New England can go on a little bit of a run here, particularly when they get fully healthy, getting Brandon Bay back, getting Henry Kessler back uh, at some point. Uh, so I'm going to go for New England. They're minus 125 at home against Orlando City. I'll go for the refs. Okay. Uh, my pick, I'm going to go the, the San Jose-Portland. Uh, San Jose's at home uh, against Portland. Portland still doesn't. They haven't really figured out what they sort of want to look like this season. Uh, kind of up and down here, but San Jose uh, with uh, um, Bobasi uh, and Espinoza just playing uh, incredibly confidently. So I think San Jose wins. I don't know what the the, the line is here. Yeah, I got your I got your odds for you. San Jose is plus one hundred five on the money line. So we got the three legs again: New England Revolution minus one twenty five, Sporting KC plus one fifty five, San Jose plus one hundred five. Combines to a plus 840 parlay. So you bet 10, wow. you're winning 84. Pretty solid odds. Okay. I honestly like this. I'm I'm going to put this in myself. Right. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> for this weekend. Quick, so uh, quick uh, let's see how we do. Or little tidbit. I've played soccer with Jeremy Abobasi's brother. Wow. Yeah, he, he lives in Brooklyn. I played soccer with him. Was he playing for the Democrats or the Republicans? <laughs> <laughs> he was an independent. I'm like, dude, you got to pick a side. This is not the time. Okay? Don't be don't be Ralph Nader on the pitch, you know? <laughs> uh, so, by the way, I, 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 have a, I have a tidbit. San Jose, six wins, two draws, zero losses at home this yeah, year. Very good home that'll team. I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, okay. Uh, witty. Uh, Miguelito, thank you so much uh, for the contribution. Uh, I don't know what image I'm looking at. I'm sure it's hilarious. Uh, but, but uh, <laughs> Witty, thank you so much for joining me, man. This has uh, been an absolute honor. Uh, honor to, to work with you. I'm sure yeah, you'll be back on soon. Uh, you said you're going to be calling uh, which game this weekend? Kansas City, LAFC, okay. Saturday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, MLS season pass. I will also echo it has been an honor from my standpoint to be on with you and all of the repairmen that have yes. been in your home in the last <laughs> they all hour. Get a, they all get a <laughs> guest credit on IMDb. Bro, they all... They all <laughs> Everybody, this has been a wild episode. I don't know what this edit is going to look like, but if, if you want to hear the, the uncut version on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash because uh, this was a wild one. But thank you for uh, uh, powering through uh, with me. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, everybody, uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday evening uh, or Tuesday morning, whenever you uh, download the podcast. But uh, we have uh, a really fun interview with uh, Maria Sanchez of the Houston Dash uh, in the NWSL. It was really, really dope. Uh, uh, so I'm excited for you to hear that. Uh, we, uh, as always, follow us everywhere at Soccer Cooligans. Uh, follow me at uh, Chris Polanco on Twitter, at Christian underscore Polanco on Instagram. Uh, and Witty, uh, where can people follow you? At Chris Whittingham uh, on all uh, social platforms. I've unified my handle. So if you search Chris Witty, W-I-T-T-Y, uh, it should come up in case you can't spell the whole oh. name. So Chris oh, Witty, look it up. On Twitter or Instagram. I was, I've been trying to get Chris Polanco on Instagram, and it's like, I think, like a Venezuelan guy that won't give it up. He just doesn't even use the account. Oh, man. I was, I was, I was uh, really circling around at Chris. I'm jealous of people that just yeah. have their, their at first name. Uh, and obviously, Chris, I imagine, is probably like Twitter employee number seven that got that. <laughs> 
but like it, it was inactive for a while, and then uh, Elon came in and swept out all the all the inactive ones, and somebody jumped uh, on it. And now uh, at Chris appears to be lost damn, forever. Bro. All right, I mean, I I, I would have taken it too, bro. I'm, I'm well, I got to fight with you for it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, is your full name Christopher or Chris? Or okay, yes. okay, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Christopher. I'm a, I'm a uh, Christian, uh, but yeah, but yeah. Mo- Christian. Christian. All right. <laughs> uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Witty, as always, seriously, really appreciate you. And uh, we'll be back. Everybody, peace. Take care.